welcome to our next voyage on T-10, the show with 10-minute takes on the future of education and healthcare. I'm your host, Tim Fitzpatrick. On today's voyage, you'll hear from Dr. Raihan Faruqi, the head of medical affairs at Guaranteed, a company that aims to address an area that concerns us all, yet modern medicine often neglects, and that is death. You may have seen Guaranteed's recent coverage in Axios or MedCity News. They just came out of stealth with a $7 million seed raise, to blend at-home treatment with cutting-edge technology. Their company tagline is, we should probably talk about death. One thing that stands out to me is, and you'll hear in a few minutes, is how deeply Raihan and his team care about the problem that they're solving. Their lived experiences really shine through into their work. And I encourage you to connect with Raihan and to follow along as the team makes difficult moments easier for countless families in the coming years. We are ready to go. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Raihan Faruqi, Head of Medical Affairs at Guaranteed. All right, Raihan, welcome to the show. So good to have you on. I want to jump right into it and ask you, why is it so important to modernize the end-of-life care experience? Tim, thanks so much for having me on. When we look at what people want for their end-of-life, we find that 75% of people want to age and die at home, but only 25% of people are able to. So that gap is what we are trying to solve and really honor the wishes of, of people, their families and their loved ones by enabling kind of comprehensive care at the end of life. And I love this. And just having obviously a huge supporter of, of your mission and having connected with you and your team, in the past, I know um, one thing that surprised me and, and that I love about how you think about this space and what you're trying to build is that it is not just a single period point in time. Uh, and I know so many people, myself and my family and others impacted by, by this phase of life, um, think about it in that way. So I'd, I'd love to have you kind of dig deeper on, on how you think about the process and where it starts and, and obviously where it continues, I guess, to say. Yeah, you know, we have a saying here, we should probably talk about death. But what we realize is that, you know, we want people to die how they live. So it's really important to understand how people live. And that can happen much earlier than when folks traditionally start to think about death. It can happen when you're younger, you know, it can happen when you're middle age. And really it's the comprehensive experience of of your life the types of people you want by you the hobbies and the passions that you want to do the 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 type of care uh in terms of you know who is who is seeing you how they're speaking to you so we think a lot of that needs to be done much earlier than it's traditionally done in our system, which is you have maybe a couple of months left, families and loved ones are scrambling uh, to get things in in preparation. And, you know, we're hoping to to kind of reframe, you know, when that advanced care planning, when your hospice service benefits, all of that can be kind of planned much more upstream. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Obviously, it would have been tremendously valuable in, in our circumstances, in my own personal circumstances, the whole idea of starting the conversation earlier and actually helping with 
what that conversation should sound like. And I, I know one thing that resonated with that I've heard you talk about and, and your team is how to frame those questions around what does a good day look like? And then really building that into to how this all pans out. I'd, I'd love to have you talk through also, what does that support and conversation structure look like for the extended family? I know you talk frequently about bringing in more support um, around the entire process. Yeah. What are some of those aspects that the team is kind of focused on and building? We're planning on doing a family admission, which is a novel concept in healthcare. So we are treating and caring for the patient. We are also treating and caring for the family. Family does tremendous amounts of unpaid labor for aging and dying people. So it's important for us to understand what the needs and the wants of family are. And typically there is something called respite care in hospice. But what is upstream of respite care? Um, what does you know, people are, are busy, they take time away from work, from other family caregiving duties to, to care for their loved one at the end of their life. But you know, what are your needs and how do we how do we service that? On the flip side, we also realize that family is the frontline provider as part of the care team. And how do we also enable family to practice at the top of their license? So that means training, upskilling, and understanding what family and caregiving support, you know, looks like. So, you know, we're really looking at family and caregiver on, on both sides of the, 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 patient, the traditional patient and, and like provider lens, if that makes sense, but having them be front and center. Um, so that includes, you know, kind of virtual support, having a, a care concierge model uh, that is available to you via text, via video, kind of self-service portal, um, and having that connectivity to a care team that can help you care for yourself, but then also enable you to care for your loved one better. This is, um, this is so exciting just to hear because it's not an area that um, has had a company, especially a company, you know, with yourself and your team that is uh, just an exciting team to have together, really take a, a hard look at what what can be done better. So it's just, it's really um, encouraging and heartening to, to hear that you're you're focused on this space. I'd, I'd love to kind of hear your connection here. Obviously, this is a, an exciting time. I'm sure people will be familiar with the company and the news recently, and we'll make sure we include all of that recent kind of press in, in the show notes. But um, can you talk to us a bit about the connection and kind of what drew you to the, the mission and the team uh, that you're surrounding yourself with? Yeah. Um, you know, Tim, death is guaranteed. But what's not guaranteed is a really great way of dying. And I had really severe COVID in March of 2020. I come from a family of providers, physicians, therapists, nurses, my sisters, my cousins. And we believe my dad was a retired respiratory therapist, brought the virus home from the hospital before we had PPE. But I was the first one to get really sick. And I had COVID, severe COVID for almost 10 days, 103, 104 fever. Uh, day nine, I couldn't breathe. My oxygen saturation was decreasing. And I was admitted into the hospital. And 
I, I thought, you know, I might die today. I looked at my mortality in the face for the first time in my life and uh, it, it was deeply uncomfortable. But at the same time, I had this awakening that I need to deal with some things in my life. Um, so looking back, it was actually the most wonderful experience in my in my life, seeing my death in front of my eyes. And um, after I got better, um, it was probably the best I've ever lived, right? So actually thinking about your death um, enables you to live the best life that you possibly can. And you will hear that from folks who've had near-death experiences or who've had a really serious illness or a condition and recover. But at the same time, um, I also ended up giving COVID to my grandma who lived at home with us. She is on dialysis. She does not speak English that well, has a host of health inequities, and she got severe COVID. She was in the hospital for six weeks. She was on the ventilator for 10 days and miraculously she survived. Um, so I thought about her death all the time and we were not prepared for a good death. It would have been a terrible death because of the pandemic and being remote and not being in the hospital. So that to me, kind of those two experiences together, um, really confirmed my interest in this space in terms of a health tech innovator, but also as somebody who's deeply spiritual, um, kind of growing up in a very religious community, um, you know, hearing axioms like die before you die, you know, do your accounting now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always, as a, as a clinician who used to practice, but I don't anymore, um, I was always the type who really enjoyed, which is a weird way to say it, but I really enjoyed um, being in the company of family uh, who were in the last moments with their loved ones. Because at that moment, really what is therapeutic are the words that you say, right? So I look at this work as being very sacred. Um, I'm always incredibly humbled. Um, to speak with families um, who are the experts on the patients and we're just lucky to be there and see if we can make that process a little bit better. Um, so earlier, like last year, when I had heard this opportunity you know, was available and I was introduced um, to, to Jessica, our founder and CEO, I, I said yes after a couple of quick phone calls. Well, Raihan, thank you for, for sharing. Um, Incredible story. I hadn't, you know, hadn't heard that. I really appreciate you sharing and um, certainly resonate, right, uh, with my patient story, with so much of what you've said in that recovery aspect and that close tie. So thank you. And and having met Jessica, I completely felt felt that this this past week was lucky enough to feel that same kind of just um, incredible energy and, and direction and focus. And and for that reason, I'm just really optimistic about what you're all doing. Uh, as a clinician who has made this transition and is now been actively involved in seeing and supporting technologies that are coming into the clinical space, I'd love to just kind of wrap up here with asking you a question around escape velocity. And I know it's a term that we hear a lot in technology, and I'm curious to hear what does it mean to you in the context of your mission at Guarantee? Where do you think uh, you and your team will be able to achieve escape velocity over the next 
year, couple of years, or aspirationally, you know, overall mission. Yeah, you know, I actually haven't heard that term before, Tim. Uh, give me some more context. Yeah. Sure. So uh, it could be the unlock. It could be the yeah. you know, in this, this is our second expedition. So we are kind of a future mission based uh, right. show here, and our audience wants to hear kind of the. What are the bets that you're making? Yeah. What are the things, the dynamics that'll allow you to actually sure. achieve your moonshot? Yeah. So, you know, we're a technology company, um, which means that we believe in the power of harnessing data, um, you know, for the good of our mission. We're trying to help people die better, which means that there's a lot of data that we are hoping to collect at the end of life, how do we build a data-driven patient and family experience from some aging time point, right? Maybe you're 55, you have a couple of chronic conditions. Um, you know, death is not top of mind, but um, it, you, maybe you've experienced family members or people in your circle and you're, you're starting to think about it all the way to bereavement after you've passed away. Um, and your family is now dealing with grief. Um, so that is the timeline that we are looking at, which is a very broad timeline. And we are really excited by the different types of data that we can collect from your, your typical claims data, right? From insurance payers, um, clinical data from EMR, but then really patient reported data. Uh, patients say things and they're ignored all the time. Um, family data right? Family reported data, physiological data, as we think about vitals monitoring and how we can actually predict uh, the last week, predict the last 24 hours of death and how we can educate and then guide family, caregivers and patients, how we are looking at pain data, both subjective but objective measures of data, um, and how a lot of this data can unlock um, a reimagining of what care can look like through the best in-person but virtual care. And it's really that virtual care that we as a technology company are, are bullish on, where we understand that, you know, our care demand is exponentially only increasing across all care demographics and verticals, but our supply of providers is not. And what we have, though, is we have patients and we have families who are hungry for education and guidance. So how are we able to build self-service and empowerment mechanisms through, you know, text, through video, through rich educational portals, through multimedia, video, audio, graphics, you know, text, and then really build a, a kind of a system that can, again, help people take care of themselves when necessary. Um, without having a provider right there in front of you, which is very difficult to scale in our in our space, and uh, and and do this in a way that is culturally competent, where we have um, providers and builders who are diverse. We are there's a real challenge at the end of life because there's such a diversity of experience from faith to lack of faith to background, nationality, sexuality, and just the entire compendium of diversity. But we're trying to, to be representative of that, but, but really provide tools that can allow us to, to represent some of that diversity at the end of life. Um, you know, there really is a lack of 
utilization of great end of life care um, amongst underrepresented groups. Uh, and we're, we're hoping to, to make a dent in that. Well, I'm more hopeful because of, because of you, because of your mission and um, such an aspirational one and, and one that I, I feel great about and I'm thankful and grateful for, for the work that you're doing uh, to improve so many lives and deaths. So thank you, Raihan. Great having you on. I appreciate you joining me on T-10 and hope to see you soon. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh,